It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please note, this podcast is not suitable for children. You're listening to Justice podcast series exploring all aspects of the criminal justice system with me, prison philanthropist and founder of One Small Thing, Edwina Grosvenor. I mean, I often say, you know, violence is a mental health issue because if you are going around being violent, there's something going on. On today's programme, we have the CEO of Street Doctors, Lucy Russell, and volunteer medic Jasmine Fulcher. Lucy's career began as a youth worker and then a social worker specialising in working with young people in a therapeutic community. She then became one of the co-founders of The Big Issue and held pivotal roles at Young Minds, Fair by Design and the Prison Reform Trust. Jasmine is at medical school and has been with Street Doctors since 2014. Lucy, can you tell me how Street Doctors was founded, who started it, what's the story there? So um, it was started in 2007 um, by two doctors who were based in Liverpool who were seeing um, a lot of youth violence in major trauma centres in hospitals and A&E and wanted to do something about it and had this idea of teaching young people at risk of youth violence life-saving skills, but also within that... um, discussing attitudes to um, violence and also empowering young people to feel that they can be part of the solution um, and that they can keep themselves and others safe. So it was basically their idea um, and from that it has grown really, really fast. So now we, uh, last year, we taught um, over 4,000 young people. We have 400, about 430 volunteers. We taught around 800 um, sessions, and that was with about 160 delivery partners. So it's wow. one of those things where you start with an idea, but it's such a neat idea, yeah. and it's such a neat intervention. Um, and so, and that's kind of really started rolling and I think essentially we're a youth social action movement because we have all these amazing young um, healthcare volunteers students 
who are out there who are teaching young people life-saving skills. So and it's only teaching young people, just to be clear, is it? Yeah, yeah it's, so it's young people of... teaching young people. Yeah. So it's peer-to-peer. Right. So it's, and that's important because, I mean, I can imagine. But Yeah, well, it's not some old fuddy-duddy coming <laughs> along going, right, everybody, knives are a very <laughs> bad thing. Yeah. You should never pick up a knife. It's very much about walking alongside young people and, um, you know, what's so good about it is that these uh, young medics are seeing the consequences of violence. So they are, you know, in the sessions and they're saying, we know it's happening, you know it's happening. Mm. You know, this is not a just say no thing. This is right, let's talk about this, let's talk about the consequences, let's talk about willingness to act. Do you have to be in medical school to volunteer through street doctors? You do. Yeah. Yes, Yes, you do. Yeah. yeah. But you, it can be so we're starting to work with nurses and paramedics as well. So it's multidisciplinary approach. Um, so it's not just doctors. It's yeah. not just doctors. And is that doctors. because nurses and paramedics have approached you and sort of said, you know, we want some of this too? It's or, a mixture. Yeah. yeah, it's a mixture. They've approached us. We've thought this is a fantastic way to, you know, develop the organisation so that we can get more and more volunteers going to the places where there is the greatest need. Um, So we have 20 teams and every year one of our volunteers does some research around (laughs) where do we expand to next. So we look at where are the hotspots in terms of crime, in terms of youth violence, um, in terms of, you know, the amount of injuries that that are happening and death sometimes as well tragically and then focus on okay these are the areas we want to expand into because that's where the greatest need is how can we get delivery partners on board and how can we get volunteers to to um you know devote their time yeah and they do in droves which is what is so amazing and where do you get the data from to work out where the sort of highest sort of areas of need so we'd get that data um from police data home office data i'm sure some of it's quite obvious as well but yeah yeah but it is well actually it's interesting because i was talking to the volunteer who is doing that work at the moment and she was i mean what we do is end up with the five the five areas with the highest um incidents and she was talking to me about those areas and they were areas that you wouldn't actually think oh, really? would have yeah predominantly um urban they're urban some of them are seaside places oh, right. some of them you, they're not always the places you think there yeah. may you know there may be the greatest problems so you know and we are talking about you see what we hear in the media you know we hear about the tragic deaths what we don't know about is the use of knives and the incidence of youth violence around the country which is happening every day mm. you know on mass um because it has become normalized in many places and knives are about protection you know young people don't go out with knives to stab each other mm. they carry them to protect themselves yeah. because they're scared a lot of them yeah, so Jasmine, probably a good time to bring you in because you're one of the volunteers. You're at med school. Yeah. Um, how long have you been with Street Doctors? So this is going into my fifth year with them now. Right. Um, so I started in September 2014 volunteering with Street Doctors. Can you paint a picture of how you do your job? What does the volunteering look like? Where are you? Who are you talking to? Yeah, so well, there's a lot in 
is involves quite a lot of different things really so if I talk about the sessions because that's kind of the I guess the main part of our role as volunteers so we have two distinct sessions um which are designed to either be run separately so about an hour each um or we can do them back to back depending on what what works best for those particular young people or the center that we're in um so the first session or one of the sessions looks at what to do if you find someone who's bleeding and losing a lot of blood um and then the other one is looking at unconsciousness and so in the bleeding session we teach like the basic steps kind of basic first aid to stem bleeding to keep that person safe um but we we talk about like the importance of your own safety as the as the person giving the first aid um we talk through things that often i think you'd think were quite quite simple and straightforward like how to even call an ambulance in the first place um it's amazing the number of people who when you ask them well how do you call an ambulance what's the number so many people will say 911 because so much of our tv oh, is wow. is american that a lot of people do think that's the emergency oh number God. and so we talk through that and um, also imagine there's um a problem with if there has been a stabbing I'm sure people are scared to call any type of yeah. service because they sort of think, oh my God, under joint enterprise, I've been standing here, or, you know. Yeah, and that that does come up in probably most of the sessions that I've taught, it has come up um, and we discuss, well, it, it is quite difficult, but we we talk about it and we we like ask the young people to talk about if, if they're happy to share experiences they've had themselves or experiences they've known about. Um, we'd say that you know you can call you don't have to give your name if you don't feel safe in approaching like if maybe you know the person who has been stabbed you're scared that the people who've stabbed them are still around we say that your safety is absolutely important and if you do nothing else phone an ambulance and you don't have to give your name you don't have to give any kind of contact details to phone an ambulance but just by making that phone call you could potentially have saved that person's life I think the, the worry is if you were to stay around if you were helping someone who'd been stabbed mm. and you're there with their blood on your hands because you're giving first aid there's a worry that you might then be brought in but then we also discuss if if that was the case and police will turn up to the scene most likely because if even if you just call an ambulance as soon as you say that someone's been stabbed they'll send police to go and check the safety of the scene before the paramedics can approach but we say if you're there and you're giving first aid and you're seen to be given first aid, it is very unlikely that anyone's going to think you were involved mm. in, as a perpetrator. Yeah. So how do you get the people into a room? Because if they're hard to reach people that might be sort of, you know, a bit curious and a bit sort of standoffish, how do you actually get those young people into a room in the first place? To- so um sometimes they're there because they have to be right um, because it's part of if they're so we we go into different locations so sometimes we're in um prisoners for young prisons for young offenders um in which case they have to be there okay um other places we go to um pupil referral units yeah. where they have to spend a certain number of hours a week attending different sessions that are there so we might have a session as like we might be on a list of sessions that they can choose to go to and so so some young people do choose to come 
and they might have heard from their friends. We always get really positive feedback. So whenever young people come to our sessions, they enjoy them. We make them really interactive. We have buckets of fake blood and we have CPR dummies and and the idea is to get people involved. We don't want to just stand and lecture them because yeah. that isn't effective. Even no. I'm rubbish at sitting in yeah. lectures. And and I think most people learn more effectively by doing and Absolutely. actually getting in there, getting involved. Um, we have cards with pictures of different things on and lots and lots of visual information so to try and like, get that message really ingrained. We have a thing called A-Alert. It's basically yeah. a way to remember steps of like what to do in an emergency. What so are have... they, out of interest? It <laughs> <laughs> so, might help me. <laughs> so um, it's double A-L-E-R-T. So A is for ambulance, as in call an ambulance. And then the second A is apply pressure. So this is what you would do if someone's bleeding. So the okay, second A is apply pressure. apply pressure. L is for lie down. So um, and there's there's also a reason for each step and we go through those as well. Yeah. Um, so lie down. E is for elevate legs. Mm. R is for reassure. So, you know, tell them you're going to be okay. I've called an ambulance. Um, and then T stands for temperature to right. keep them warm. But all of those have a reason and, and a purpose for like ensuring their safety. So we talk through that and we even have little pocket cards that we can give them after the session with ALA on with the kind of like a, a little brief reminder of the session so they yeah. can keep those on them but so I can imagine it's quite difficult to remember anything when you're in that sort of situation someone's been stabbed and you're thinking oh my god they're bleeding but you're worried about the police coming and then trying yeah. to remember I mean anything. I think it, I was speaking to um, an, a superintendent the other day and I was telling him about this the issue about young people being really worried about actually getting involved um, and that will reduce their willingness to act. And he was saying, we as the police really need to take this on. Um, so it's really good that we're gaining these insights that we can then feed back to enforcement agencies, for example. Um, and he was saying we need to be very aware of this when we see or we're seen before the ambulance comes because if we're actually playing a role in putting people off, we need mm. to take that on. Absolutely. Yeah. But we know it does work. We know we've had feedback yeah. from young people we've taught and from the um, partners that we work with that young people have delivered first aid, young people have have given CPR, young people have put people in recovery position, have attended to someone who's been stabbed after attending a street doctor's session and have said... I would not have known to do this or I wouldn't have had the confidence to do this if I hadn't have attended that session. Mm. So we, we know that it does work and Amazing. people will use those skills. You're listening to Justice with Edwina Grosvenor. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And so you said you teach some uh, kids in youth funders institutes. Where else might you be? Um, so our aim is to reach people who are at high risk of violence. So um, it kind of varies across the country with the different teams. I know speaking from I've been with the Warwick team. So we teach in Coventry rugby and we've taught some sessions in Leamington. Um, we have we've been to youth centres, right. um, so the young people there don't have to be there. They come in. Like, unfortunately, there aren't many youth centres left anymore. Well, I was but say. <laughs> there's at least one left. Right, okay. So you're in that one. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a whole other topic for another day. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> and then the um, kids there sort of well self refer, but they're there. It's a youth centre. They're kind of going. To, yeah, so and sometimes they do you. come and go, and sometimes you know we don't we don't keep everyone for. And and sometimes it's because it can be traumatic, the things we're talking about. Um, and there's a video that we sometimes show, depending on the young people we're, we're with, that is um, is based in an A&E department in a hospital. And there are medical and, and there's like hospital professionals talking about things that they've seen as a result of knife crime. And it's really shocking and really upsetting. So if there's a young person in that session who has recently either had a friend who's been stabbed and is in hospital or they themselves might have experienced that it's completely understandable that that is too traumatic an experience for them to stay in that room and they're completely within their rights to leave and that's fine but generally the young people become really engaged and so many times I've had feedback from staff after sessions saying that I can't believe that you actually got them to join in like they are the hardest group of kids at this place. Also, I don't believe there's any such thing as hard, yeah. <laughs> hard people, difficult to engage. I don't, I don't just not engaging sign up to with that. them in the right way. Yeah, perhaps. I think if you think someone's difficult to engage, then you need to work on your communication skills, basically, right. because you know yeah. it's a two-way process. Absolutely. And so, pupil referral units, youth centres, youth um, funding services. Youth we fencing. teach un- uniform groups. So I went recently to a session um, where we taught police cadets. It's round about 12, 14 to sort of 18 is probably the key the key group at the moment. Right. Um, so, yeah, so alternative provision like pupil referral units, 
We may uh, do some work in schools if it's a school that's in a particularly kind of at-risk at area. Yeah. And do those um, schools, for example, get hold of you or is it a bit of a mixture of you kind of saying we exist? Yeah, so in? we also will um, develop, um, we'll work on contracts as well. So, for example, the Police and Crime Commissioner in the West Midlands um, has commissioned us to develop de- deliver sessions across the West Midlands, so um, he will put us in touch. So they'll pay for them, oh, great. and then we will deliver them across that area. So what it means is that we can work with more grassroots organisations in those areas right. because, as Jasmine's saying, the key thing is to get to the young people yeah. who may well be touched by this, so that they can use those skills. And they can talk through with us around, you know, attitudes to violence. I mean, one of the things that comes up a lot is that there's safe places where you can stab people. So what we do is explain that actually if you get stabbed nearly anywhere, it could be absolutely life-changing. Yeah, you literally can die from no matter where in the body you're stabbed because there's... The, first of all, the knife isn't going to be sterile. So no. you can get, if you get an, infect, an infection in your bloodstream, it doesn't matter where it started, if that gets around your whole body, you could die from a stab wound to any part of your body. Yeah. And this is something that's a, probably one of the most important messages. You know, what we've got to do is to look right back to why this is happening. And why is it happening? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that the, um, I mean, we can both talk about this <laughs> yeah. forever, really. Um, but I think it's a lot to do with adverse childhood experiences. So it's very much about, I mean, what you find with rates of youth violence is it's very linked to deprivation. Mm. Um, it goes back to inequality. It's yeah. linked to poverty. And it's not just about London and young black kids no. no, each other, is no, it? No, you no, can no. Almost that's a really frustrating like, media-led yeah. message. Yeah. Because so if you do just misleading. read the papers, and you, I work in the criminal justice system, so you know, I know uh, a bit more than it's not just those people there doing that. And as you said, you know, the seaside towns which yeah. you wouldn't expect you never hear of them yeah yeah you? i mean it's about it's about economic poverty it's about poverty of hope it's about poverty of spirit and this goes back through generations so but it is also about the role of trauma this is a key role in this so if you experience traumatic experiences when you're young you know something like domestic violence um you know just something like that will sometimes affect a child as they're growing up and that and it becomes hardwired so and what they will find is that things like emotional regulation anger management um dealing with conflict what will end up happening often is you act out because actually you know this anger and the you know the going round you know you see a lot of young people who've got their hoods up and their faces are covered and that isn't because they're feeling aggressive it's because actually they're feeling really bad inside um and so the the pain and comes out often as an aggressive re- reaction and it is it is often as just about a lack of judgment and the lack of being able to regulate what is actually happening inside of you so if you don't get the support you need i mean i often say you know violence is a mental health issue because if you are going around being violent 
there's something going on. Mm. Why, why am I not violent and someone else is violent? Because I've had the privilege of having the support and care and love around me, which has helped me to manage my emotions. And I haven't had a lot of the experiences that other, you know, other young people have. Fear, guilt, shame, all driving behaviour. That's right. So unless we deal with adverse childhood experiences, unless we deal with trauma, you know, we talk a lot. I mean, we're very much supported the public health approach to to dealing with violence and for us you know violence is you know we need to be treating it like an infectious disease we need to be treating it with infection control methods we need to be vaccinating against violence there are lots of ways we can use vaccines against violence and the street doctor's intervention is one of those vaccines yeah i completely agree and and it's not helpful i don't think talking always about violence through the sort of lens of criminal justice yeah. because as you say this is about fear, guilt, shame. It's about behaviours. It's about emotional regulation, which goes on to drive the behaviour that then ends up in a criminal act. Yeah. That's just one point in time. And then, yeah. of course, right, well, the answer is prison. Well, that's never going to help anybody. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And it's, you know, this idea of an enforcement approach. I mean, actually, everybody, you know, you are getting government saying enforcement is only part of this. You know, we need to look at prevention as well. But, you know, when I, I mean, I worked previously in criminal justice and the thing that really I always used to think was when somebody commits a crime, we have an emotive response. And what you're trying to do as a campaigner is work with them around them having a rational response but that it's so difficult because someone does wrong you have an emotive response when you're dealing with innocent children being stabbed you know that the punitive side of it sort of comes out and and the the blurring of victim and perpetrator this is not about good and bad this is a blurring this is about greys this is not you know this isn't this isn't about good and evil you know there are so many young people who move between victim and perpetrator Mm. I'd say probably all of them at some point have been a victim like every young person who has perpetrated some kind of violent offence is in another part of their life a victim. Mm. Almost, I'd say, pretty much every young person I've met who who has been in that situation. So and I what, definitely agree that it's not as simple as victim and perpetrator at yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. And what's, um, just out of interest, what's the sort of gender split of the people that you see? You know, we know it's, uh, it tends to be many more boys get wrapped up in the gangs, but, you know, we've been hearing lately that then there's sort of quite a lot of girls that get dragged in. So what do you see on the front line? In terms of who we see in our sessions, it does tend to mainly be young boys and men. Um, But we were discussing earlier, actually, that we have to remember each of those young men has a mum or a sister or a girlfriend or a daughter. So even if we're not directly seeing the women affected, there are many, many women affected. Mm. but they're also, I've come across young people in sessions. There was one session where there was a 13-year-old girl that we learned about. Had The reason she was having to attend the sessions was because she was found carrying a knife. So it isn't it isn't just young men who yeah. are even like carrying knives. And it's probably a majority young men, but we need to make sure whatever interventions we are, we have take that into account as well and they're not just all directed towards young men and yeah it's kind of more wide-reaching you're at med school so how does street doctors um 
sort of benefit what you're doing at medical school and and at what part of your medical school career are you at so I have two weeks left oh my god (laughs) (laughs) wow the end is in sight yeah graduation Mm. is very close um so yeah nearly finished I start my first job in August which is quite scary and exciting but um it it definitely keeps me grounded and keeps me humble reminds me of where I've come from and and how privileged I am to be where I am right now um but also I think it's just really healthy to be a part of the community that you're living in it's so easy to detach ourselves and I think especially when you're busy whether you're busy working or studying you live in your own little bubble and forget that actually you're part of a a bigger society and I genuinely believe that we all owe each other this we, we we should all be helping each other basically and and if we have more than someone else and someone needs something we should be offering to share and it, it sounds really basic and no it sounds but, completely right but I think if you're living in an environment you should know the other people in your environment and you should be working together to make that as comfortable and as safe and enjoyable for everybody living in there and they shouldn't be people suffering on your doorstep and Lucy, from your point of view as CEO, when it sort of comes to the impact, really annoying question alert, um, <laughs> what sort of stats can you sort of trot off or, you know, for the <laughs> listeners, how do you sort of say we are successful at what we do? And, yeah. you know, what does that look yeah. like? So we, um, every time we do a session, we ask the young people to fill in feedback forms and they're very user friendly. So there's only a few questions and then there's a series of, faces so from a sad face to a smiley face right and the three things so and our um evidence is we have um a couple of quality marks anyway for it so it's very good solid evidence um but the evidence that we have is that um as a result of the session 85 percent of young people say they would be willing to act in in a medical emergency and around 95% of young people say they've learnt more about the consequences of violence and they've learnt what to do if someone is bleeding or unconscious. So I suppose there are the three things that we can prove that we are we are achieving as a result of those sessions. What I think is really going to be really interesting going forward is looking at what else is underneath that, what else are we doing. So we talk about a cognitive shift um, where young people are talking with young medics and things get said. So um, we do we do a smaller amount of more in-depth feedback work with groups of young people. And they talk about things, as I said, as we both said, about, you know, reluctance to even get involved um and also um misrepresentation so you know i remember reading something recently about young people saying yeah but you know if you're if you're on the floor and you're all hooded up and you're applying pressure and suddenly this emergency services come along what they're going to think why would I do that? Because what, what are they going to think? They're going to think I'm involved. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of those things that, that are starting to come out as well. Um, I mean, I'd like, in terms of thinking about our future, how we can start to provide more of a space to talk. And I think what's so great about the volunteers is that 
they they are seeing it they and so it is like we know it's happening you know it's happening let's talk about it um because i think a lot of young people you know as as jasmine was saying will just think who is this person what have they got to do with my life and actually these medics are on the front line they are seeing the results of this on a on a daily basis there was someone um that we taught recently um, we heard a month or so later that he'd actually he was stabbed and he saved himself by How applying pressure that? to the wound. Right. Um, so and either he or a mate called an ambulance. Um, but if he hadn't have applied that pressure, he would have lost a right. lot. He'd left the knife in and then put the pressure. Yeah, on the side like, of the as, blade. as he as he'd learned. Yeah. Um, someone else who, um, I mean, again, it's interesting about the first aid bit of it because um, another person who, uh, as far who's actually was in in at home and his father lost consciousness, um, and you, he used the skills um, that he'd learned around what to do if someone is unconscious. Recently in East London, there was a stabbing. There was two young people who'd been to a street doctor session. They phoned the ambulance. Um, they didn't actively get involved, but they phoned the ambulance. So, but the the problem is 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 that whole thing about attribution, and so because we go in and we work with delivery partners, it's again it's about how we finesse our follow up as well. Because you know we you know young people aren't gonna you know we can't keep bothering them. So have you used your skills? Have you used your skills? Yeah. So it we actually it's the delivery partners who will tell us. Um, I mean, they're just a few examples that have happened recently, but there's there's many others that have happened over the years. Yeah. And if people want to get involved and sort of, of course, they can go to your website and see what you're all about. But what's what's the sort of greatest need or what would you say to the listeners as to what the organisation kind of needs? More volunteers. Right, more. So Nurses. So you've got 130. You need more. <laughs> Nurses, paramedics, junior doctors. We need you. And do you um, advertise in hospitals? Yeah, so we work with we will work with medical schools. Um, but it's also delivery partners, you know, come and talk to us. You know, we'd be you know, we 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 want to do many more sessions around the country. Um we're a very small team. We really punch above our weight. How big's the team? What number? There's nine of us now oh, wow. and we're not all full time. My goodness. So and you're, considering and you're I mean, national. We're national. So, you know, we rely on the volunteers, but there's what's happening in the back back office and that needs funding. Um, you know, I think often we, we see the front line and we think, well, they're volunteers, so you don't need any money. But there's everything that goes on around supporting those 400 or so volunteers. And, um, you know, we have um, we have a strategic plan in the next couple of years. We want to double the amount of young people we are teaching from 4,000 to 8,000. So, you know, we need the money for the core costs as well. And we need the money to support the volunteers as well because you know they they you know we pay all their expenses all the training all their teaching costs lots of money mm-hmm. so um you know and I think one of the things we also want to do is find the money to be able to teach the sessions to 
more grassroots because we do charge for sessions but it's it's nothing compared to what it actually costs right and we do want to subsidize free sessions as well mm. for those organizations that just can't afford it um so yes so yeah we'd love you to help us so do you think there's a role for sort of street doctors in a more mainstream way so obviously you're all medics at medic school but do you think this should be taught in sort of mainstream schools should we all be knowing how to do this stuff so I think we absolutely should all be taught first aid I don't think it's the role of street doctors to teach everyone we've got a very specific group of people that we need to reach um but I do think there should be provision for everyone it's so important it's something that is so simple a few simple skills that can literally save someone's life it's upsetting that not everyone knows those skills but like I say as street doctors we don't have the resources or the time or the numbers to teach the whole nation yeah. first aid I mean as Jasmine exactly put it we we our target group is young people at risk of youth violence so absolutely we wouldn't want to teach the world because it would be mission drift you know we need to stick we need to stick very much to what our mission is and our mission is to get those skills to the young people who really need them and you know one of the things I always think is really great is when at the end of the session the volunteers say right you actually know as much as I do now Mm. you know I will be a doctor and I could be a doctor in a major trauma centre you know what I know you are now all street doctors. So what we're doing is empowering young street doctors across the country. And I think it is that, you know, it's demystifying it because yeah. first aid isn't actually as complicated it's as really we all think simple, it is. really simple. Um, and people can get in touch with you through the website. Can absolutely. They? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is streetdoctors.org. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Justice. If you found it interesting, you can discover more about the work we do within the justice system by visiting our website, onesmallthing.org.uk. One Small Thing is a charitable organisation striving for positive change in the justice system. If you would like to subscribe to Justice, you can do so via your usual podcast platform. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.